Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Okay, so um, this week we're going to be covering in the book of Revelation, um, chapter 6 through 11, and, um, and we're going to be doing a little bit of review because of the nature of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, but just to uh, see how much you remember, you're not getting graded, but I do welcome um, and ask for some participation here. <laughs> we, we talked about the first week. This was two weeks ago, so get your brain kind of winding back a couple of weeks, uh, where we talked about a basic four-part structure to the book of Revelation. So in part one, does anyone remember um, what is happening in part one, chapter one of the book of Revelation? John's experience. He encounters Jesus, and what happens when Jesus encounters him? He falls down, but then he picks him back up, (laughs) and he commissions him to prophesy. So that's part one. Part two, chapters two and three unfold. What's happening in those chapters? The seven letters to seven churches. Uh Uh-oh, someone snuck up a slide up there. Um, So (laughs) seven messages. Jesus' seven letters to the seven churches in, uh, uh, in part two. And then in part three, chapters four and five, what's happening there? heaven. The scroll. Thank you, Dora. Jesus takes the scroll. So John is taken up into Revelation. Yeah, give Dora a hand here. She's got the, she's, she's got the scroll. She's eating the scroll. Part three, Jesus takes this scroll, this title deed of the earth. Worship breaks out in heaven, and then it takes us in to chapter four. Can anyone give me that part? Or not chapter four, part four. Chapter 6 through the end of the book. <laughs> the, the action plan. <laughs> it's, the, the, it's where it definitely, a lot's going on there. So, um, excellent. So those four main parts, we get the slide back up there. Um, we have John's calling to prophesy in chapter 1. We have Jesus' seven letters to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. Then chapters 4 and 5, Jesus takes the scroll out of the Father's right hand. And then part 4, chapter 6 through the end, we have the battle plan. We see this scroll unfolding. And so that's where we are today. Um, but uh, if we'll go and open to Revelation chapter 6. And I want to remind us why we're in this book, why this book is important to us. I, got, I think we've got to keep getting this why in front of us. And so we talked about three main reasons why this is important for each one of us individually and why this is important for the church. First reason was that there's a blessing available to those who hear, those who read, and those who keep the words of this book. Second reason why this is important to us is that it prepares us, it equips us to overcome both present and future challenges. And so last week, or two weeks, yes, last week, when we talked about the seven churches, we talked about some challenges that the church was facing at that time that the church presently faces today. A need to return to our first love. As our brother Rod here was 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 reminding us of his storehouse, returning to those first things, returning to the first love, of dealing with immorality and heresy in the church. (laughs) Those are very important issues today. A call to overcome when there's persecution or tribulation or pressure. A call to overcome lukewarmness. Those are present challenges that the church still faces and that each one of us individually face. And then there are future challenges that we're going to really start breaking open today. Because the more that we start to overcome present individual challenges or present corporate challenges in the church, the more we're equipped to face the ones that are ahead. And then finally, the reason why this is important to get in this book, to see what Jesus is saying here, is because it prepares us to stand with confidence 
before the judgment seat of Christ. And as these next chapters, 6 through 11, unfold, we're really going to need to be anchored in, in who he is, both his goodness and his severity. So, little rewind to last week. We were in the Revelation 4 and 5 scene. Jesus took the scroll, the title deed of the earth, the action plan to cleanse it from evil and to set up the kingdom of God on this earth. And what if we'll, what we see happening here is Jesus takes this scroll, he starts opening up these seven seals that were on it, and all of this uh, drama begins to unfold. So let's go back, let's read chapter 5, verse 7, because there's going to be a couple of important themes about not only what's the events that are unfolding, but the participation of the saints in the unfolding of these events. So Revelation 5, verse 7. And he, the Lamb, Jesus, came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders elders, fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. Very key. Take note of that. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book, to take the scroll, to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. So, Jesus takes the scroll, but he does so in response to two things. The prayers of the saints and the new song. The saints in heaven, the saints on earth are joining with the angels to release the song of the Lord. Worthy are you, Jesus, to take this scroll. Worthy are you of glory, honor, and blessing, and power. And so these prayers of the saints are, are, are stored in heaven, but they are being tipped over and poured out. And that is what is part of, is not causing, but, but is involved and intertwined in this unfolding of this drama where Jesus takes the scroll and starts to break open these seals. It's the prayers, it's the worship of the saints. And so I'm going to be highlighting that throughout this book. Um, final note before we jump into chapter 6. Um, I do want to have um, a few moments throughout for some questions, um, especially at the end. I might do a kind of middle break to throw out any, any initial questions. So as these are formulating, you want to write them down, you want to start thinking them through, just jot down verses that stand out to you that you might have a question about. Okay? All right. So Jesus takes the scroll, chapter 6, verse 1. After heaven and earth are crying out worthy, chapter 6, verse 1 says this, I saw the lamb, and then I saw the lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So when Jesus breaks open this scroll, these seals are broken, and then judgment starts being released in the earth. And so these, sev- these, these seals that we see, there's seven of them. Seven seals, and Jesus breaks open each one of them. And as we saw in chapter 6, verse, verse 1 and 2, that, uh, that, that a white horse is released out into the earth. And I'm going to kind of break these down one by one. Um, But I want to remind us something about this overall structure of the book that we're going to see here. Because as we enter chapter 6, part 4, we see the storyline unfold. And then as this this storyline gets intense and increases and the severity increases, we see a pause section. 
And John is looking at all these events unfold, and he's saying, why is this so intense? Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? And the angel comes in, pauses the storyline, and begins to explain to John what happens. Okay? So let's talk about these seals. Three things to point out. You can follow along in your notes if you like. I'm on uh, paragraph two there under the nature of the seals. The seals, they initiate the great tribulation. Now, this great tribulation, we'll talk more about in the coming weeks, but that's, 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 we're going to face it real intensely today, is that this is, these, this is the last great trouble that's coming on the earth before the Lord returns. And the seals are what initiate it. Um, secondly, the seal judgments, they're distinct from what we're going to see later in the book as seven trumpets and seven bulls. And we'll get to those. And then finally, what's important to note about the seals is that they're released by Jesus. So we're about to see some troubling things, but it's not Satan releasing these seals. It's the lamb breaking these things open. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to go through them one by one. We're going to take you through the storyline, and it's going to get intense. And we're going to say, why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? And we're going to pause and explain why. So, first seal. We saw the white horse. This is the Antichrist's political and military aggression. This man on the white horse is not Jesus. This rider on the white horse, I believe, is, a, is an unveiling of this man called the Antichrist who is being given power and authority over the nations for a certain period of time. And what's happening before this, which we'll talk more about when we do a session specifically on the Antichrist, what's happening here is that he has already been building influence up to this point. He's already been gaining influence and allegiance from nations across the world. But when this seal breaks open, the mask comes off and the man of sin is revealed. The true nature of his aggression and his desire to conquer and rule the nations is unfolding right here in this first seal. The second seal, I'm just going to go through them. I'm going to let you read it at home. But in the second seal, we see a rider on a red horse coming forth. So Jesus breaks open that seal. The, red, the, red, the rider on the red horse goes out. What is this talking about? This is about an increase of bloodshed. World war that's being released across the earth. Violence that's breaking out. And, there's, and the scripture says that there, it's, there's a great sword in his hand. So this, this word great sword, it speaks to the intensity of the warfare that's going to break out. Now, friends, I just want to kind of give us a little bit of idea of what this is looking like. Because in Matthew 24, Jesus warned that there would be wars and rumors of wars, but those were just the beginning of the birth pangs. But what we see here in this second seal is a significant increase in intensity of war breaking out across the nations. And it's going to get intense. And it increases with this third seal. Jesus breaks open the third seal. A black horse with a rider on is released. What is this signifying? Worldwide famine. That there is famine. There is economic crisis coming. Jesus again in Matthew 24 warned of these things happening. But in this third seal, this is a vast intensification of that famine, of that economic crisis. Just to remind us again, John is on the island of Patmos, and he's seeing these things unfold before his eyes. I mean, this is intense. These are increasing in intensity. And I just imagine John is just seeing these like a movie screen unfold. And I mean, his heart is beating faster and faster with every seal that breaks open. 
and it increases in greater intensity in this fourth seal. The lamb breaks open the fourth seal. The fourth living creature says, come. And then another ashen horse with death and Hades riding on it. And one-fourth of the earth is killed with sword, famine, pestilence, and the beasts of the earth. This is intense. John is seeing these things unfold before his eyes. It's increasing in intensity. One-fourth of the earth is being killed in these judgments. And John, I, I think by this point, it's like, what is going on, God? How can this, how can you, why is this so intense? Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? This is starting to boil in his mind. And just to give us a perspective on numbers, within the next 10 years or so, there's an estimated world population of 8 million, 8 billion people. And so what John is seeing before his eyes, one fourth of 8 billion people are killed as this fourth seal is released. Two billion people. This is intense. In these fifth and sixth seals, we see the martyrs in heaven start to cry out to God for justice because they've been unjustly killed and martyred during this great trouble this great tribulation. The fifth seal breaks open and the prayers of the, of the martyrs in heaven start crying out for God to release justice on the earth. And they are told to wait. But then this sixth seal unfolds and we see the answer to that prayer. I'm just going to read a bit of this sixth seal here. I'm in chapter 6, verse 12. It says, I looked and he broke the sixth seal and there came a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and commanders and the rich and strong and every slave and free men hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So we see this massive cosmic disturbance happening, these stars falling from the sky. And it's so intense that the kings of the earth start crying out, Who will save us from the wrath of God and from the Lamb? And that's very significant here because they're starting to see that this is God. That God is behind what's happening right here. And this this cry comes out, who is able to stand the intensity of this judgment that's being poured out right now? And so John is seeing all of these seals unfold, and as he's hearing the kings cry out, who is able to stand? Why is this so intense? Why is this so severe? This same question is is build boiling in his mind. What's going to happen to the saints? Who is able to stand in the midst of this? Pause the storyline. Revelation chapter 7. Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? Those are the questions that chapter 7 is answering. And what we see, we see some good news and some sobering news (laughs) in chapter 7. The good news is before these judgments and plagues start to unfold, before these sealed judgments break open, God is going to set a seal on the foreheads of his saints. That an angel is commanding that these things not be released until the people of God have a mark written on their foreheads. That God is going to protect his people from these judgments. And John sees a specific group of, of saints highlighted amongst everybody called these 144,000. 
So 144,000 people from, of, 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 from the tribes of Israel are being sealed. But then he sees this vast multitude of Gentiles that are clothed in white robes and that stand victorious before the Lamb. And these are the, those that were harvested as a result of this great tribulation. going to say it in a few other words. Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? Let's start with the saints. What's going to happen to them? They're going to be sealed by the living God. So these sealed judgments aren't being poured out on the people of God. God's saints are being sealed by God and being protected from these judgments. Why is this so severe? Why is this so intense? Well, if you'll remember our principle of divine judgment, Jesus is using the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating their free will. And John in chapter 7 is seeing the fruit of that very principle of judgment. A vast multitude of saints that are harvested as a result of these judgments being poured out in the earth. Does that make sense? So judgment is coming, but in the context of these sealed judgments being poured out, multitudes and multitudes that you can't count are getting saved, and they are being harvested, and they will stand before the throne of the Lamb at the end, and, 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 they will, and, and Jesus will see, see, this was the least of your means to bring in this great harvest of souls to stand before me to come to the wedding feast. Is that making sense? We're going to pause. Take a deep breath. Okay. Very good. So John, he sees why what's going to happen to the saints. They're sealed. He sees why this is so severe. Because it's the least severe means to bring in this great harvest of souls. And so the angel leaves, and the storyline is back on in chapter 8. I'm going to read chapter 8, verse 3. Because I want to highlight here how the saints... And their prayers and worship are involved in this. Chapter 8, verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden center, and much incense was given to him so that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints. Very key. That he might add the prayer of the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So we've stepped back into this storyline. The prayers of the saints are ascending before an altar in heaven. Did you know that when we worship and pray... That incense is going up to heaven. That when you're in your room crying out in secret for God to break in, for God to save your family, for God to show, give you wisdom, for God to teach you how to walk in the kingdom, for whatever your prayer is, even your tears of love before God in that secret place, or when we come together and gather as the church, incense is rising to heaven. And at this point in chapter 8, the prayers of the saints have culminated to a point where they're about to be significantly enhanced with fire from heaven, and those prayers are about to be cast down to the earth. And I believe a little peek into what those prayers are. It's the, it's the church crying out, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And this incense is ascending before the throne. And it's, 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 as, as it comes before heaven, an angel, angelic ministry is about to be added to these prayers of the saints, crying for the Lord to come. And then power is going to be poured out on the earth that's going to strengthen the saints and it's going to break down the gates of hell. 
And that's what's happening in these trumpet judgments. The saints, the prayer and the worship is partnering with angelic power and ministry. And the gates of hell are being crushed as more judgment is being released. And so we have the seven trumpets. These get intense. In paragraph seven there on page two, the seven seal judgment on the Antichrist empire is releasing anointed prayer that releases fire to the earth and these seven trumpet judgments. And again, these judgments are not happening to the saints. They're being released in partnership with the saints against the Antichrist. Just like Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh and released the ten plagues against Egypt, those judgments were not happening to the people of Israel. They were happening to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian empire. In the same way, these seven trumpets are not being poured out on the saints. It's not judgment against the saints. It's being released through the prayers and the worship of the saints. The worthy Jesus, come Lord Jesus, take your great power and reign. And then he's coming to drive Satan off the earth. So we're going to run through these first four rather quickly and then spend a little more time on five and six. So... um, these trumpet judgments are to judge the Antichrist empire, to warn unbelievers, to listen to the gospel, to turn to Jesus, and to declare that Jesus is coming, that his kingdom is coming to the earth. I'm on page three. I started over the numbering. So page three, paragraph one, the first four trumpet judgments. These first four trumpets are destroying the natural resources of the Antichrist empire. We see the first trumpet blast, and then fire burns up a third of the trees. We see a a second trumpet blast, and the grass, the, 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 the vegetation of the earth is burned up. We see another trumpet blast, and the sea is struck. The rivers are struck. And finally, the sky is struck and a third of the light is knocked out. So a third of trees and grass are knocked out. And these are the, 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 the vegetation, the, the, the natural resources of the Antichrist empire. Um, a third of the sea turned to blood. A third of the rivers and a third of the light. Do these sound familiar to anything in our Old Testament? Egypt. Some of those plagues in Egypt were striking the cattle of Pharaoh, were knocking out light and releasing darkness over Pharaoh's empire. They were God was using the ten plagues to knock out Pharaoh's resources. That's exactly what these seven trumpet judgments are doing against the Antichrist empire. They are knocking out his natural resources. His sea trade, his water supply, light and heat, and it's showing the Antichrist and his rage against the saints that there is a God in heaven who is judging wickedness. The fifth and sixth trumpet judgments. These are intense. These are probably, for Matthew, the most intense part of this book. In the fifth trumpet judgment, John sees a demonic locust army come out of a smoking furnace from the pit of hell. And the level of detail with which he describes these guys is just really disturbing and alarming. Um, They are big enough for him to see very detailed physical features. Long hair, sharp teeth, scorpion tails. And these demonic locusts, they're coming out of the pit of hell and they're stinging Antichrist worshipers. They're stinging people who dwell on the earth. And the torment is so severe 
over the next five months that people are wishing that they were dead, but it is not granted to them. So five months of these demonic locust armies being released across the earth and intense levels of pain being inflicted. This is intense. And they're crying out for death for five months and, 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 and it's not granted to them. And then the sixth trumpet sounds. And this time, another demonic army is released in the earth. Four demonic principalities that have been reserved for this particular time in history are released in the earth, and an army of 200 million demonic horsemen that destroy the earth with fire, smoke, and brimstone, and another third of the earth is killed in this judgment. This is intense. This is severe. In the sealed judgments, we saw some two billion people, based on approximations in our, over these next 10 years, die under the, that first set of judgments. In the trumpets, another third of the remainder of the earth is killed. Another two billion people. John is seeing this thing. This is intense. Why is this so severe? And what's going to happen to the saints? Is anyone else asking those two questions? And why would God do this to people? Because we've got to remember that these are angels sounding these trumpets. That God is involved in this. He is using the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating their free will. This, if we can believe it, is the least severe means. There's so much I want to share with you tonight, but I want to be respectful of our time. You know, we're really spending more time over the next couple of weeks to talk about the, the, the intensity of the rage of Satan that's happening during this time. Satan is releasing such a violent persecution of the saints and such widespread corruption over the earth that God is saying, this is the least severe means I could use to judge darkness and to give people the greatest opportunity to repent. Because I tell you, by this point, Satan is calling down fire from heaven. He is deceiving multitudes of people into antichrist worship at the pain of death. And his, his demonic regime is drunk with the blood of the saints. So this is intense. Now the saints, they, 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 what we're going to hit is they are overcoming, but there's also a lot being killed and persecuted during this time. And so God is saying the, 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 the temperature is hot. The, 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 the level of this end time Pharaoh's violence and oppression is so extreme that this is the least severe means I could use to wake people up and get them to repent before it's too late. That's what's happening here. What's going to happen to the saints? So we pause the storyline and we come to chapters 10 and 11. And what we find that's happening to the saints in the midst of this demonic chaos, millions of demons being released on the earth, fire, smoke, and brimstone. What's happening to the saints? They're being empowered with prophetic direction. They're being empowered with authority. They're being empowered with angelic ministry to stand against this scourge of darkness that's spreading across the earth. We see in chapter 10, this giant angel appear before John, one foot on the land, the other foot on the sea, towering over the earth with a crown of a rainbow around his head, with the voice of a lion shouting out these seven powerful, thundering prophetic messages. 
and a book open in his hand. And John is commanded, take that book and eat it. Digest it. Memorize it. Hear it. Read it. Keep it. And I believe this angel is a picture of the type of power and anointing that's coming over the church. The church is being given a voice that roars like a lion. The the church is being given a voice that thunders. The church is being given prophetic revelation and insight. And it's happening here in this written book. As we're diving into it, we're eating the scroll. We're digesting it. We're getting understanding now so that as this unfolds, we're ready to prophesy. We're ready to release the power of the Holy Spirit and to stand against the the hordes of hell that are being released on the earth. And that's when we see a picture of that with these two witnesses of chapter 11. These two guys come in, and in the midst of these demonic armies that are stinging people, that are releasing fire, smoke, and brimstone, they are releasing a prophetic message with power, and then if anyone tries to kill them, fire comes out of their mouth and consumes their enemies. So is hell is released, is hell is vomiting up these fire-breathing demons. God is commissioning fire-breathing prophets to stand against them and to warn the people who have not repented. Now is the time to release uh, um, judgment against the Antichrist, but also power to stand against this scourge of hell so that the saints are not left powerless. And if you'll remember back to Egypt, God's people were preserved in the land of Goshen. When darkness came over Pharaoh's empire, light remained in Goshen. When Pharaoh's cattle and resources were struck with plagues, those in Goshen were protected. The saints will have the seal of God. We will be protected from this demonic army, and we will be empowered with, with, with prophetic insight, with understanding, with direction, with, okay, God's telling us to pray this. God's telling us to go here. God is, is, is he spoke to Moses and Aaron exactly what the next step was. And his end-time church will be given prophetic insight and direction to know exactly how to respond to this chaos and to bring in as many people as possible before it's too late. He's using the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating their free will. So, what we'll see next week in the seventh trumpet, this final trumpet of the seven, is that heaven is waging an all-out war on the kingdom of darkness. And the glory and the power of God is about to break out. So, two final things I want to emphasize. I want to take a moment for a couple of questions before we close and pray. I know today has been really intense. Anyone feel? (laughs) So, here's the good news. These judgments are not happening to the saints. I want to be very clear on that. God is partnering with the worship and the prayers of the saints to release judgment on this end-time, demonically violent, oppressive regime to release these judgments in partnership with the saints. And, and, and friends, there's no mistake that Revelation 1 through 5 was before what we just read today. Because the church got to get anchored in love. The church has got to get corrected of our issues. And the church has got to have this revelation of the beauty of God and the justice of God and the mercy of God and the righteousness of God. Because God's not about to send a bunch of angry, bitter Christians to start calling down fire from heaven. God is maturing his church in love, fascinating her with the beauty of Jesus, submitting her to his lordship and empowering her with his majesty and his glory to partner with him in this end time drama. So chapters 1 to 5 are really important. And secondly, 
going along these same lines, the prayers and the worship of the saints are deeply involved. The prayer and worship is about to increase and intensify. The glory is going to be released. It's such an extreme level. And the prayers of the saints are going to be combined with the angelic power of heaven to bring God's kingdom to the earth. Amen. Okay, deep breath. Question. Are these judgments in chronological order? Great question. Yes. So, if we'll remember from our our first week, this, from chapter 6 to the end, we have five chronological sections that unfold the storyline. And then each one is interrupted and paused. The storyline is paused, and then there's an explanation of the events given. So what's happening in the chronological sections is these six seals, one after another. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're unfolding in chronological order. And the intensity of them is disturbing John. Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? That we pause in chapter 7 and we see a couple of behind-the-scenes events happening, which is the saints are getting seals sealed and a great harvest is resulting from these seal judgments being poured out. And then unpause, we're back in the seven trumpets. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In that order. Those are in order. Those are in chronological order. And it's so, why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? Pause. The saints are getting empowered. The saints are getting prophetic direction. And the saints are, are going to get this, this powerful ministry that's going to bring in um, the greatest number of people to the deepest level of love without violating their free will. Amen. Yes. Right. I would, so the question is, can, the seals are set out, white horse, antichrist, black horse, um, famine, economic crisis, red horse, bloodshed, ashen horse, death, disease, all kinds of bad things. The question is, do they have to happen in that order, or is John just seeing kind of an unfolding of events that could happen in any order? I believe, very specifically, they are happening in that very order. Now, in Matthew 24, we see these happening at a, at a significant measure, war, famine, bloodshed, economic crisis. Jesus talks about it all, Matthew 24. But these are the beginning. And so in the earth right now, we see pictures of these things happening at, in some places, very alarming levels. But as these seals open, in the same way that the 10 plagues of Egypt were in the order that God told Moses, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They happened in that order in the book of Exodus. I believe that's exactly what's happening in the seals, trumpets, and bulls. The white horse is going to come first, then the black, then the red, then the green. White, red, black, green. Thank you. She gave me the correct word. Yes. The ashen horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a pale green. Mm-hmm. Dora. Right, some translations say an ashen, some say like a, a green. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it's green. They're ugly. <laughs> so <laughs> They look like death. I mean, it's like... <laughs> yeah. Does this debunk the, the current population concerns? I don't know if I would say it debunks it. I would say what the concerns that people are noticing right now 
are part of the Matthew 24 birth pangs. They're seeing shaking in the nations happening. And they're sounding an alarm in their own way. And this is where Jesus is saying in Matthew 24, you're going to see these things start to unfold. Famines, earthquakes, wars, economic crisis. You're going to see these things. But he says, do not be troubled. And so he's trying to anchor us here. And what we see in the seals is an intensification of it. But he's still telling us, this, this, is, this is disturbing, it's troubling us. But that's why we open the book and eat it now and start digesting it and start getting perspective now. So what happens, or it's our kids, our grandkids, whichever generation it's going to be, they're prepared, they're taught, they're anchored. Thank you. Luis. The Joel 2 army, is that the demonic horseman? That's a great question. So in Joel chapter 2, I know, it's like, could it get any more intense tonight? Um, (laughs) I promise the end of the book is like full of (laughs) light and (laughs) glory and love. Um, We're in the intense part right now, just letting you know. Um, In Joel chapter 2, the prophet Joel, two trumpets are sounded. The first trumpet, there's this, locust army (laughs) the second trumpet there's a military campaign and joel 2 is intense the real answer to your question i am not exactly sure i what i think i can give you my opinion there is that joel saw something that happened in his own day that he was prophesying a locust army and a military invasion that was ultimately fulfilled when the Babylonians came and took the, uh, the tribe of Judah into captivity, um, 6th century BC. Um, there's scholars that may say differently than that. I don't know if we can be totally sure, but that I think Joel is immediately prophesying to the Babylonian invasion. But I think he's seeing a picture of, of a greater locust army and military army that's going to be released, which is in Revelation chapter 8 and 9. So, um, and the reason, and that's a great question because it's significant, because the response that Joel told Israel to, to, to how, how Joel told the people of Israel to respond is how God's telling the church in that day to respond. Cry out for mercy. Pray and agree for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This Joel chapter 2 outpouring is happening in the context of judgment. In the book of Revelation, in the, in the context of these judgments of the seals, trumpets, and bowls, a great outpouring of the Spirit is resulting in all who call on the name of the Lord in the midst of those judgments will be saved. Amen? Cindy. Right. Is there, so am I, is, your question is, is there a time where the saints are getting persecuted during these judgments? Yes, the saints are being persecuted. Actually, a big reason that these judgments are being poured out is because the saints are being persecuted. And that's absolutely clear if, um, in the fifth seal judgment. The martyrs are crying out, God, how long, O Lord, will you, will, until you um, judge and, and, and avenge our blood to those who dwell on the earth? And then it's, it's and, and the response of the angel to those martyrs in heaven is wait there's more about to be killed and added to this number. There is going to be a number of saints persecuted. But it will also be in the context of great outpouring. And so there's going to be saints that are miraculously delivered from, from death and persecution. And there are going to be saints that lay down their lives for the gospel. And as they kneel down and as they are beheaded by this antichrist regime, there's going to be people in the crowd watching this happen, and their hearts are going to get cut, and they're going to turn to the Lord. So yes, the saints are getting persecuted throughout this whole thing. One more question. We'll close. Heather. we're going to do a session just on that next week. So, um, so it is, it is my firm conviction that the saints will not be raptured before all this happens. Okay. The saints will be here on the earth while this is happening. So the saints, um, and, and 
kind of three things are going to, or four main things are going to be happening to the saints during this time. The saints are going to be protected from God's judgments, so the judgments are not happening to us. The saints are being provided for supernaturally in the wilderness, which we see a picture of in Revelation chapter 12. Um, the saints are being given prophetic power and direction, which we saw in Revelation 10 and 11. And the saints are being persecuted during this time, which we saw with the fifth seal judgment. We will be preaching the gospel. We are here because we are bringing in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating anyone's free will. And the power and signs and wonders and the judgment against the Antichrist empire and those that have taken the mark of the beast is to wake up those that have not gotten saved but also have not taken the mark of the beast. So they have not sided with Jesus yet. They've not gotten saved, but they also haven't pledged allegiance to Satan. And so there's still time. And so these judgments that the saints are partnering with God to release on the earth is part of the power that's coming behind our message to say, fear God and give him glory, which we'll see in Revelation 14. Believe in Jesus. And it's, it's, it's pricking their, piercing their hearts because they're seeing, I don't want to take that mark because this is what's happening to those that have. And those that have taken that mark, and we're going to spend more time on that too, there's a serious searing of their conscience that has happened even before they took the mark. And then when they take it, they even in the context of judgment, even in opportunities to repent, it says in Revelation 8 and 9, they did not repent of their sorcery, of their immorality, of their witchcraft, and of their thefts. They are increasing in wickedness when God is giving them opportunities to repent. But some, many, will, as we saw in Revelation 7. A great harvest of people will come. 